G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. There are far too many Bible-believing, Christ-following Christians out there who are living a joyless life. What a tragedy, because really, God wants you to enjoy your life. That's clearly what His Word says. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. And so today, we're kicking off a new series of messages called The Joy of the Lord is Your Strength. And please do stay tuned, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about my special edition book. It's called How to Get Close to God, and I'd love to send you a free copy to help you do just that. Draw ever closer in a rich, powerful, dynamic, joy-filled relationship with Him. It's a bit of a landmark for me this week because I've just come back from a couple of weeks of vacation. As much as I love doing what I do, man, it's nice to get away and just rest and sleep and enjoy things with my wife. We travelled a bit to one of my favourite countries in the world, New Zealand. Now, as an Aussie, I don't like telling the Kiwis that too often, but gee, it's a beautiful place. But it was just so special to be able to relax. You know what I mean? I have to tell you, though, that getting back into harness at work, well, it wasn't easy for the first few days. My body was kind of objecting to this notion of of having to get up early in the morning and stumping up to work. No doubt you've been there too, those first few days back at work. No matter how much you happen to enjoy your job, they're not easy. It's like a severe dose of Monday-itis. It's funny, isn't it, how our feelings and our responses to our environment go up and down and how much we're influenced by the externalities of what's going on in our lives. It's pretty easy to enjoy life when you're kicking back and taking a break, but when the pressures of life come crowding back, well, it gets harder and harder. We all have pressures, I do and you do. They come in all different shapes and sizes. Of course, there's always some amount of pressure associated with work. Relationships are a big source of pressure. I was just praying with a man on the phone the other day for healing in his relationships with his wife and his daughter. Our own perceptions of things, the way we see things, that in itself can cause pressure, a sense of insecurity or inadequacy. Perhaps someone's marriage isn't going particularly well or they're feeling as though no one needs them or people need them too much. It's a pretty long list. And in the middle of all that, many people end up feeling like battery hens, just churning it out, grinding it out, day after day, without much of a sense of of meaning or purpose or achievement. I'm not saying that everyone's life is like that, but there's something about the modern-day human condition, the, the pace of life, the demands of life, the pressures of life, that drain the joy out of our lives. And that, I think, is why so many people are living joyless lives. I wonder if I were able to get a show of hands from all the people around the world who are listening to this message today, how many would consider their lives, their hearts, to be full of joy, overflowing with joy? 
I wonder how many people would put their hands up in the air to that one. You know what I suspect? A few hands would go up, a few, but not all that many. The words joy and rejoice and all their various derivatives together appear around 370 times in the Bible. Now, that's rather a lot. That makes it rather a big and important subject. And as I read my Bible, what I discover is that joy is something that God wants us to have. Let me say it more specifically, joy is something that God wants you to have. Not just in those happy times in life, but during the difficult times of life as well. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but pure joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, written by the Apostle Paul on death row in a Roman dungeon strapped to his guard. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. If I were to give you a choice between a life that is full to overflowing with joy and one that isn't, it's pretty obvious which one you'd choose, right? And so you have to ask yourself, given all that he's put about the subject in his living word, the Bible, why is it that so many people, people who believe in Jesus with all their hearts even, are living such joyless lives? Why is that? Is it because God's joy isn't available to us? No, that's not it. Because the Bible says, Romans 14, verse 17, that the kingdom of God isn't a matter of food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it can't be that. Clearly, God wants us to experience his joy in an abundant measure when we enter into and live in the kingdom of God. In fact, one of the equal shortest verses in the whole Bible is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, and it says this, Rejoice always. You know, I, I travel a lot around the world in my role, meeting with church leaders, visiting churches, speaking at churches, participating in worship services. So as far as having a representative cross-section of God's kingdom, a, a statistically valid sample, if you will, I have a pretty good one. And even taking into account the enormous cultural differences in the expressions of worship in different countries, from, say, a Ghanaian service where they're dancing in a conga line down the aisle of the church, to a more conservative service, say, in a place like India, where in many churches men sit on one side of the church and women sit on the other, taking all that into account, I am so struck by the absence of joy in so many places, in so many churches, in so many of the Christians that I've met and with whom I've interacted. I remember just recently being asked to speak at a rather large church, an important occasion for that church, and sitting on the platform waiting to get up to speak, watching the leaders and the bishops all dressed in their finery, sitting across from me during the time of worship, with, with this abject look of boredom on their faces. What? Well, What's the matter with us, people? Why are we living such joyless lives? What's going on in the kingdom of God? Hmm? The title of this series that we've kicked off today with this program is that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's a quote from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah, chapter 8. And we're going to take a good close look at that story surrounding that quote a little later in this series. But for the moment, let's just consider that scripture at face value. The joy of the Lord is your strength. 
So many people who love Jesus feel helpless and weak in situations of temptation, in the middle of the pressures of life. You can feel like you're being blown to and fro like a tiny little boat on an angry ocean. Have you ever felt that? And you wonder, where am I going to get the strength to make it through this, right? The answer is that you get your strength from the joy of the Lord, from God's very own joy. Because when you're enjoying God, when you're really, really enjoying your relationship with Jesus, you know what happens? He fills you with such incredible strength, with such amazing power that you wonder, well, hang on, where did that come from? Clearly the Bible teaches that strength is a byproduct of joy. Let me, let me say that again. Clearly the Bible teaches that strength is a byproduct of joy. And if that's true, if that's really the case, then having the joy of the Lord happening in you, it's not some optional extra, some nice to have. It's not the icing on the cake. Not at all. It's the very foundation of your whole life in the kingdom of God. So if maybe you're not one of those people who's able to stick their hand in the air in response to the question, is the joy of the Lord filling you to overflowing? If you right now can't answer a resounding yes to that question, then stick with me throughout this series, The Joy of the Lord is Your Strength, as we discover how to remove the roadblocks to joy and how to be filled to overflowing with the joy of the Lord. Because I come back to it right through the Bible. It becomes very clear that God wants to fill you with his joy, the joy of the Lord. One of the things I love doing is to watch advertisements on television and analyse what it is that they're actually selling and what it is that they're actually promising. One of the big new trends in holiday travel is cruising on big, opulent ocean liners. Nothing wrong with that, but I'm interested in the advertisements that depict happy couples enjoying each other's company on a beautiful ocean liner. Cruise with this line and you'll experience romance and intimacy. Or they show kids having fun while parents relax by the pool or or go out for a sophisticated dining experience. It seems to me that what they're promising is happiness. That's the end product. The ship, the relaxation, the rest, the exotic experiences, the entertainment, they're all stepping stones to the final brand promise of happiness. Smiling faces, fun, enjoyment... In fact, that's the case with most of the advertisements for most of the products that you see or hear. Not all of them, mind you, but most of them. The end product, the the commodity that they're really peddling isn't the product or the service that they're advertising. What they're really actually trying to sell you, most of them, is happiness. So I went to my dictionary to check out the meaning of these three words, happiness, fun and joy. This is what I found. The dictionary definition of happiness is this, the state of being happy. Okay, so what does it mean to be happy? It is apparently a feeling of pleasure or contentment. Well, fair enough. So what then is the definition of fun? Something that we associate with happiness. It's enjoyment, amusement, light-hearted pleasure. So far, so good. Then I finally decided to check out my dictionary for the definition of joy. Joy, we're told, is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. 
And, you know, that fits in pretty well with our understanding that happiness, fun and joy are all pretty much the same thing, or, or if, if not exactly the same thing, then very closely related. In fact, in our language, we often use the words happy and joy interchangeably. When something makes us happy, we would say that we enjoyed it, right? That's the common understanding. That's the world's understanding. But what if I told you that that's an understanding that is diametrically 180 degrees opposed to what God tells us about joy? Firstly, the word joy and its various derivatives appear around 370 times in the Bible. On the other hand, happy and its various derivatives appear only 26 times in the Bible. Big difference. Empirically, what that tells me is that God isn't interested so much in my happiness. What he really wants for me is his joy. Interestingly, in one verse, these two words appear together. Esther chapter 8, verse 16. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honour. So clearly, the two words have different meanings. Otherwise, there'd be no need to put them both in the one sentence. Now, you and I know what happiness is. Sometimes we're happy, sometimes we're sad. When are you happy? Well, when things are going your way, when you have a good experience, when you're being praised or promoted, when you're involved in something that's fun, when you have something good to look forward to, like, like a holiday on one of those cruise ships. Happiness, by and large, is a response to our circumstances. And we're sad when bad things happen when we lose a loved one, when someone tramples on our emotions, right? There's happy and then there's sad. Totally different. But if that's our understanding of joy, the joy that God promises us, the joy of the Lord that the Bible talks about, then we're completely missing the point. If that's our understanding of what joy is, then this scripture simply doesn't make sense. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, Consider it nothing but pure joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It doesn't make sense, because you can't be happy whenever you're facing a trial of any kind, right? When things are tough, it's impossible to be happy, and yet God here is telling us to consider a trial as nothing but pure joy. The New Testament Greek word that most often we tend to translate into the word joy, the one used here in this passage, comes from the same root word as grace. That word is kara, from which we get the word charismatic, for, for instance. In other words, the concepts of grace and joy are fundamentally linked. Grace is a free gift from God. And joy is one of the most powerful expressions, manifestations, results of God's grace. So in sharp contrast to our worldly understanding of joy being synonymous with happiness, what God means when he promises us his joy is a free gift from him. So let's get this straight. Happiness is a reflection of and our response to what's going on around us. Happiness comes from the world. Joy, on the other hand, is a free gift from God. And that's why you can have joy even when your circumstances are against you. The joy of the Lord and the happiness of this world are profoundly different things. 
God's joy is born out of his love for us. And and as a father who loves you, his compassion for you when you're hurting, when, when the pressures of this world are seemingly going to crush you, is unbelievable. And that's why right in those difficult times, he will give you the gift of his joy at the very time that the happiness of the world deserts you. That's why the joy of the Lord truly is your strength. It's amazing, actually, how often in the Bible joy is spoken about in times of suffering. You see, in our human understanding, suffering and joy just don't go together because, after all, we use joy and happiness interchangeably and it simply doesn't make sense that you could possibly be happy while you're suffering. And you can't. But joy, well, that's a whole different thing. Have a listen to these couple of scriptures. Firstly, Romans chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. See, joy and suffering are used in the one verse there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for by his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, being kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. Even if now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable, is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Did you get that? In this you rejoice, even if now you have to suffer. So joy and suffering again come together. Listen, God's joy is different from the world's happiness. God's joy is profoundly and infinitely better than the world's happiness because it comes from him and not from the world. And so the joy of the Lord is reliable, it's powerful, it's freely available, irrespective of the circumstances that we're immersed in. That's why the joy of the Lord really is your strength. Over the next few weeks on the program, we're really going to unpack this whole subject of you experiencing God's joy in your life, because he really does want to fill you full to the brim, full to overflowing, actually, with his joy. He makes that really clear in his word, the Bible. But right now, let me ask you, how much of God's joy do you experience on a day-to-day basis in your life? Would you describe yourself as someone who's overflowing with the joy of the Lord? Or at the other end of the scale, as someone for whom the joy of the Lord seems to have eluded you? On a scale of 0 to 10, how much of the joy of the Lord do you actually experience for real in your life? That's the first question. And the second one is this. How often do you read your Bible? How often do you engage with God's Word? Think about it, pray about it, ponder it, set about living it. And again, on a scale of 0 to 10, with 0 is almost never, 10 is every day. Right, so you've scored your level of joy, and you've scored your Bible reading pattern. And if I were a betting man, which I'm not, but if I were, I'd be prepared to bet that there's a very close correlation between those two scores. Am I right? And the reason for that is that God speaks to us primarily through his word, the Bible, the living word of God. 
It's not the only way, by the way, that he speaks to us. The Bible itself tells us about the many ways that God speaks to his people. But it's the main way, the most important way. And if the joy of the Lord comes from, well, the Lord God himself, and you and I aren't listening to him speak, to his word, then why are we at all surprised that we don't experience his joy? We kind of toddle along to church, many of us, to get our hit, our injection of joy, if you will. That's the theory, at least. And and yet the rest of the week, so many Bible-believing, Christ-following Christians live with such little joy in their lives. I see it all the time. And it's so sad. It's a tragedy of massive proportions in the kingdom of God. A good friend of mine, Paul Bartlett, has recently published a book called Thank God It's Monday. (laughs) What a great title. Now, Paul is the pastor of a large and, in the eyes of many, a successful church. Now, I put inverted commas around that word successful because that's more of a worldly judgment than a godly one, but you get my drift. And one of the strong themes of his ministry is this. Church is not all about Sunday. So many people and so many churches and so many pastors work their way up to that big Sunday church event as though it's the main thing. And what Paul's saying in his book is, no, actually Sunday is all about preparing you for Monday and the rest of the week. The main part of being a Christian is the rest of the week, not just that one event on Sunday. I love that because in a very real sense, that's exactly what the Bible teaches. Following Jesus is an everyday thing, not just a Sabbath thing. Just think about that book title again. Thank God it's Monday. It speaks of a great anticipation of what's in store, of what's next, of what God is bringing into our lives. When we kick off each new week, you and I, we have no idea what's coming, the good, the bad or the ugly. We have no idea. But here's something we can do. We can choose to live this next week and the one after that and the one after that with a sense of anticipation and celebration in our hearts. I saw something recently that I really liked, a quote that goes like this. A bad attitude is like a flat tyre. You can't move on until you change it. So imagine how different our attitude towards life becomes when we choose to live every moment of every day as a celebration of what God has done for us every day in the joy of the Lord. Now all of a sudden, it all makes sense. The joy of the Lord really is your strength, right? taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.